You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I'm your host. This week, we are taking a break from the Umbrella Academy recaps. Yes, but do not worry. We will be back with those recaps. In the meantime, we are giving you two interviews that you can actually check on our website, blackgirlnerds.com, with two amazing artistic creatives in the Hollywood industry. One is an actor by the name of Leslie Odom Jr. You're probably familiar with his work, best known in the Broadway musical production of Hamilton. And he's also appeared in many films, including Harriet. And he's got a new film called Only. And he's talking to us about that movie here on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. That is in our first segment. In our second segment, we talk with director Demaine Davis. She is the director of the two episodes of the new Netflix series, Self Made, about the life inspired by Madam C.J. Walker, the millionaire entrepreneur who is best known for creating hair products back in the early 1920s and 30s. And she has a very successful career and legacy. And Demaine Davis talks about that Netflix series and how she got attached to it and um, how she in fact, was inspired uh, by the story herself. So two great creatives, two great stories that they have to tell. So please take care of yourself while you're in self-quarantine mode to this week's episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Take care, stay healthy, everyone, and enjoy. Doing good. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for rescheduling. My pleasure. So Only premiered last year at the Tribeca Film Festival and is now scheduled to release in theaters this month. Has the tone around the film's release changed in the wake of the coronavirus? Good question. I mean, it, it certainly changed as I talk to people individually about it. You know, people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's certainly been sort of dropped, made more relevant, you know, in our current situation. Um, I, yeah, but I, 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 admittedly, I haven't, like, taken a super large poll. But as I, 
yeah, as I tell people that it's coming out, you know, in these conversations like this and stuff, yeah, it's, it's uh, very topical right now. This, this isn't your average post-apocalyptic film about a viral outbreak. This essentially is a love story. Would you agree with that? And how would you define only? I would agree with that. I think that um, it's a big story, you know, with small on the relationship of these two people. Um, it's, it's, you know, I think it asks questions about, you know, obviously... Uh, a, a woman's choice and a woman, you know, um, autonomy over her body. But then, you know, it's also about what your responsibility is to your partner. You know, what is, what is, what is your responsibility in a relationship to, to the person that you say you love? So, and I mean that both ways. You know, they're both sort of, Will's asking that question and Ava's asking that question too. Um, so, um, yeah, does that answer? Yeah, yeah. You you had some really great uh, chemistry with Frida Pinto, who plays Ava, your lover in the film. Did you spend a lot of time getting to know each other while prepping for the role? We did. We, uh, we did lots of rehearsal. One second, can you hold one second, Jamie? Sorry. Sure. Um, hello? Yes. Uh, the last question that you asked me, oh yeah, so we had um, a fair amount of rehearsal, and then we were also kind of, you know, we were in Atlanta together without our significant others, and so we, yeah, we had dinners and um, long talks, and, uh, you know, really talked about Will and Ava's relationship, where, where the specifics of their, you know, relationships are fingerprints, their story, their love story, you know, them, them having been in this long distance thing for years. And um, finally moving in together and Will being, not knowing this, but Will being, you know, weeks, maybe a month away from proposing, that kind of thing. You know, the, the more we invested in the, um, a healthy, um, really positive relationship between Will and Ava, the more pressure they'd be under when this, when this disaster struck, you know, when the disaster hit. Are there any scenes that you remember while filming that resonate with you the most? Um, well, it was just, uh, the, I think it was just like, it was really the frustration. It was, there was, there was a fair amount of frustration because, um, and I, I've, I've learned enough now to know that usually the circumstances that you're under in the movie, the pressure that the characters are under in the movie, somehow, somewhere, you end up replicating a little bit of that in your real life, you know? Like, if there's a... if So, the, the, I also, the, the fact that the characters were under such a strain and Will and Abel was under such a strain, you know, it, it was, it was, they were, you know, it, was, it wasn't the, the set was not without tension, you know, I think, I think it's natural, you know, I've really learned that that's really how it goes, if, you know, if you're working on a, if you're working on some big, um, fun comedy, you know, some, some big, huge comedy, you know, 
you better be laughing on that set. Like, you know, if, if you're not, you're in trouble. So the same is true of a film like Only, you know. I, it was it was frustrating because, um, especially when you can't love someone the way that they want to be loved. It's right. frustrating when you can't, um, when someone is not willing, is, is not able to or really not asking for the love you want to give them, mm-hmm. the help you want to give them. You know, so there were, there were a lot, I, I think that, um, there were there were just places where we were not, you know, um, linking up. I, and I, do, I don't mean to say that in a, in a bad way. I mean, I really do think that that, that was the movie bleeding in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did this, I just did this, a prime example, I did this movie with Regina King, the last movie I did, wonderful time with Regina. But the, we spent, the, the, you know, the, the film also gets quite tense guys that I'm going to with. And so the first two weeks, as we were hammering out, you know, we're shooting like nine pages in a day, and we were really doing, uh, you know, a lot of work. It was tense. You know, we're having these fights on the, in the scenes, and then we're like sort of, you know, having to hash things out and, and fight our way through, um, you know, talking about the things off the set. But then, you know, once we got through all those tense moments, it was great. Like, you know, once we got to, like, the, the, the lighter, the moments in the script with more levity, you know, all the fighting was behind us, you know, we, you'd be surprised at how much the tension dissipated from the set as well. So that stuff, it does, it bleeds in. And so um, I do, I remember, you know, Takashi, like, wanting certain things from me and just me being like, I just, I don't think I can, I don't think I can break down in that way. I just, I, I don't think if I break down in a way, I'm never going to be able to come back from that. Um so yeah, it was a fair amount of, of, of tension on a, a tense project, tense set. There, there's a moment um, in the film where there's like a montage of scenes where it looks like both Will and Ava are basically suffering from cabin fever and they both get really frustrated just being around each other. And the scenes look quite organic so did Takashi allow the both of you as actors to have a moment where it was unscripted and give you a chance to kind of improv those scenes together or was that just all on the page great question yeah he um had ideas of little scenarios he'd want to see he just kind of wanted to see how we interacted in this kind of situation and that kind of situation you know so that he could include it in in ways that he wasn't sure about later and so yeah we did we would um we had lots of those scenes and they were they were really one they were really wonderful and, and informative for us because we would build on those you know once we got back to the script proper we would have those became part of our relationship you know what i mean the those moments you know we we folded them into the, the scripted stuff as well you know you have this ability to selflessly play the role of protecting a woman so effortless, so effortlessly. Um, is that something that just comes naturally for you? Thanks for asking. I mean, you know, I, I really did just try to bring Will as close to me as possible. And then also, and obviously also reach for him in places where he didn't feel close, you know, places that, okay, that's a little outside my comfort zone. I, I, I tried to reach, but yeah, I just, yeah, you know, I, 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 all I'm trying to do is have compassion for the people I'm, 
I'm playing, you know, yeah. villain or hero or somewhere in the middle, you know, and so I understood him. I understood him and what he was trying to do. And, you know, I also understand that what happens um, is a tricky thing that happens, like when you cross the line from um, dating someone to deciding that you want to spend your life with them. I remember, I remember there were nightmares that I started to have about something happening to Nicolette. Once, once, you know, we were on our path to getting married, it was like, where are these coming from? But it was like, I'm opening my heart in a new way. I'm being vulnerable in a new way. And I was, I really, I put Will in that position. I put him in that, in that uh, category. You know, I think he's like, you know, he decided that this is, this is the woman. It, it can take, it can feel like it takes a lifetime to find that person, you know, and now some circumstances want to take that person away from me. You know, what won't you do? You know, how, how's it possible? Thank you. How's it possible not to go a little crazy trying to protect that person? So, um, yeah, I just, I just had love, had love for my guy, had love for, for Will and, um, and, and, uh, understood his love for Ava. You talked a little bit about this, so I, I definitely want to know a little bit more, if you don't mind sharing. You are playing Sam Cooke in Regina King's directorial debut, One Night in Miami. Can you share with us about your preparation for that role and, and what that experience was like? Oh, thank you. Great question. Um, well, I was lucky in that there's obviously, you know, there's, there's so much music um, not enough, you know, he he's gone too soon, died at 33, left us at 33, but um, there are volumes of music to listen to, and you really can learn so much about the heart of somebody um, when, you, when you really listen and, and dissect the way that they uh, pour themselves into, into a song, you know, so I learned a lot about Sam from hours and hours of listening to his music and then there's and then there's quite a bit of you know um dead out there is quite there's books that have been written about his life or, um i read everything i can get my hands on i listened to everything that was out there i've listened to anything recorded by sam cook i've listened to it many 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 times um so said all that to say that obviously there's there's a fair amount of footage now most of the footage that you see is of sam being interviewed because he was a star major star um one of the biggest stars in in the country and certainly one of the uh, if not the biggest you know black star at, at, at his, in his time so i had that but you know what we're really doing in this movie is looking at them you know sam and malcolm and jim and cassius really it's a, it's a way that they never would have shown themselves in an interview this is them hanging out in a hotel room after a couple of drinks and, you know, no, having known each other for quite some time. Um, so the men that we meet in this hotel room are not, it, it is not the same Sam that you see on, on, uh, with talking to Clark, you know? Mm. Um, so that was a lot of fun, but that was the leap, you know, that was the leap in, in you know, wasn't just going to be, um, a straight up, impression because the Sam that that I knew best really I had to realize the Sam that I knew best was the one that he sort of, you know, curated was the, the face that he 
had when he was working. So this is him after hours, and it's like, well, who's that guy? Mm. Who's the guy that's going to have a conversation that um, and show side? You know, what's the side of him that we that we possibly never seen before? So that was the great fun of this. And what was your experience like working with Regina King in her directorial debut? Oh, you, you, there's not a better ally that you can have as an artist, you know, as an actor. She's, she's just a great ally, a great coach. I just thought she did a brilliant job uh, of making it um, a safe and welcoming, loving space, but also a space where we could probe and ask questions and, and you know, sort of challenge the material a bit. Um, in places where it needed to be questioned, um, so it was just uh, it was just like a, a a really exciting and like uh, sort of um, not the word I'm looking for, but like uh, it was it was like you know it was like like the gym a little bit, you know we we. we, we we kicked around you know and it was it, it was it was really wonderful and my and my co-star you know the, the, the other guys in the movie the other stars of the movie are just really really special Kingsley Eli and Aldis were awesome awesome well thank you so much Leslie for taking the time to talk to us really appreciate it my pleasure thank you guys you, you guys always support me so much I really appreciate it thank you take care Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. V-Fresh. So let's talk about it. The VJJ, or the medical term, the vagina. Vaginal self-care made simple. That's what V-Fresh is all about. They take the guesswork out of vaginal health and take a hold of what could be pulling us back from living our best lifestyles. The pH of our vagina plays an essential role in how healthy it functions. And what VFresh does, it helps purify and balance with VCleanse to help treat and support with VTract and VFresh product lines to bring long-term vaginal health. Natasha Samago is the founder of VFresh, and what she's done, having so much personal success with natural antibiotic-free products, She was inspired to make natural feminine solutions readily available to all women and to let VFresh give you natural solutions for vaginal issues. Knowing about your body starts with education. So you can go ahead and fully experience VFresh through a V-Ready Care Kit, which is a perfect bundle for amazing savings at an amazing price. Featuring V-Cleanse, V-Tract, eliminating odors and discharge and getting fast-acting urinary tract support with the V-Ready bundle. Visit the site vfresh.com and enter the code BGN2020 and save 20% on their bundle and spend only $54.99. So visit the site vfresh.com that's spelled V-E-E-Fresh.com Enter the code BGN2020. You're saving 20% off with that code. And with that bundle, you get the V Cleanse and the V Tract that helps eliminate odors and discharge and all that funky stuff that makes our VJJs really, really sad. And instead, 
is going to make your vajayjay very happy and very healthy. And right now is a time where we're all trying to get a little bit more healthier right now. So again, go to thefresh.com, enter the code BGN2020 and save 20% off of your bundle and spend only $54.99. Okay, so you directed the last two episodes of the Madam C.J. Walker series, Self Made, um, The Walker Girl, and A Credit to the Race. How did you get attached to this project? Um, When I heard about it, I was like, I have to be a part of it. And really what what drove me to it is I knew about Madam C.J. Walker, obviously, from Black History Month and you know, elementary school, you learn about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really incredibly taken with her and her achievements and impressed. And then um, I actually worked in a hair salon uh, when I was 12. That was my very first job. I was a gopher in a hair salon, and I used to take out roller sets and sweep up hair and get people lunches and stuff like that. And then later, I was the receptionist at a hair salon in Boston. Um, and I would go around and give people, you know, fan out magazines when they were sitting <laughs> under the dryers. Mm-hmm. And be like, like a magazine? Can I get you some water? Can I, you know, I remember trying to make it like a super upscale experience. Um, and I would make uh, style books so that people could look at different, you know, haircuts and stuff and pick out what they wanted. And the thing that I love the most is when a, when a woman walked into that salon and she was sort of like wearing a scarf and hunched a little bit, head down. And then that transformation when she exited, you know what I mean? It was like she made her own wind, like there was a Beyonce fan on her, and she was just like smiling (laughs) and joyful, Um, and that always really stuck with me, so when I heard that this was going to be a series, I was like, I have to be on it, I have to be on it, and I kept, I'm a super believer in the power of of positive thought, so I was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and be a part of it, and I told um, my agent, actually, a friend of mine, Shaz Bennett, um, a female director, fantastic person, knew Elle Johnson, and I mentioned that to Elle, who was one of the showrunners, and then Elle called me in, and I got a meeting with with Elle and Janine and Nicole, and, um, you know, I put together a book, and I I said, I just, I have to be a part of this project, and the meeting went extremely well, and Eric uh, Obermeyer was there from um, Spring Hill, (laughs) and um, she was, sorry, Um, and she, and she was, um, uh, it was a great, great meeting. And then I had to, uh, I left there, and I remember my agent calling me and saying, so we should talk about what would happen, you know, what's going to happen if you don't get Madam C. And I went, hey, hey, no, 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 no. No, I'm getting Madam C. Walker. <laughs> um, you don't understand. Like, this is ordained. Like, it's yeah. Um, and then they picked me, and they let me come on board and be producing director. So I directed the last two episodes and got to produce the whole series which I love because you get to be boots on the ground there the whole time um get to really know the cast and crew and to serve them and to take care of them and then to bring it home with directing those last two episodes so I was really really honored to to get to be a part of it you work obviously with um Octavia Spencer who plays the title character and she's also a producer on this series does that change the dynamic at all as you being a director working with an actor producer? No, for me it's it's great because it's it's just more investment, you know. Um, 
I, I, it just means that she has a bigger stake in it and she cares more about it. And I, I just love it when people care and when they're passionate and when they're um, really active. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what she was. You know, she would talk about, um, we would all talk about this woman uh, like she's here. And we would always say, no, we've got to honor her. And one of the things that was pretty amazing is that, um, you know, we had, a, we had a very diverse crew. We had a lot of women, a lot of women of color, um, a lot of black women, which was great. Lena yeah. Cordina, our line producer, is a black woman. Um, Kira Kelly, our DP, director of photography. Um, costumes, Antoinette Misam, and then Ethelene Joseph, who did an amazing job on the hair. Um, Miss Octavia, as I call her, has her own team uh, who, you know, did did their thing. But um, Ethelene Joseph did everyone else's hair and was absolutely incredible. Um, and these are all women who, when they knew that they were going to be a part of this, they were like, oh, no, we have to honor her. Like, we have to be a part of this. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Um, and, uh, sorry about that. And, um, we have to, um, we want to do this and we want to honor her. And you're talking about department heads in every department who they could have taken other jobs that were, cause this was four episodes. Yeah. So you're talking about people who could have taken jobs that were eight episodes, 10, 12, 20, 22. And they turned down those jobs to do this because they said, as soon as I heard that this was happening, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to tell her story. I wanted to honor her. And that's just a beautiful thing. So you're already working with people who are totally passionate and, and at, you know, at the service of Madam and telling this story. So that was amazing. And I saw that the granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, Alilia Bundles, also worked on this film with you and your team. And what capacity did she navigate any of the scenes with you as a director? She visited set. Um, I had the, the joy of meeting her when I was directing, so she was on set for a few days when I was there. Um, you know, she's. we all just knelt at her feet, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, you're talking about Madam's great-great-granddaughter, a woman who is the keeper of the light, um, literally who has told her story, authored it, and continues to this day to tell her story um, and, you know, watches over her legacy. Um, She also grew up with her, played with her. Her necklace mentioned one time how she wore a necklace and, like, lost it, you know, like. um, So when she showed up on set, everyone just surrounded her uh, with love and and adoration and and just so grateful. Really just thanked her for writing the book and the blueprint for us to sort of, um, you know, go off. And... She seemed very happy. She was very engaged. Um, you know, I did sort of go over and look to her a couple of times, and she was smiling, and she was totally into it. Um, her hair is ridiculous, by the way. Her hair is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first saw her, I saw her from behind at the lunch table, and she was sitting with Lena Cordina, the line producer, and I was like, oh, is that a member of Lena's family? She didn't say someone was visiting today. And then she turned to the side, and I'm like, oh, my God, look at this woman's hair. It's gorgeous. And then I got closer, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Miss Bundle. She's here. <laughs> you know, um, she's really spectacular. Uh, so it was it was great, you know. I mean, she just she kind of sat there, and people came to her and, and talked to her, and all the actors loved having her around just to get to that touchstone, you know, of talking to someone who... who you know, who knew her, who had seen her things, who had been around her life. Um, so that was really, really generous of her to come and visit set and to be there and, and to give us um, insight. It's really helpful. 
Were there any particular scenes or moments while filming that resonate with you the most? Um, I loved all the scenes with um, Miss Octavia and Blair Underwood. Mm. I thought they had such incredible chemistry. Um, And they had a lot of fun doing the scenes, too. You know, I just, I could have filmed those on and on. I felt so lucky to get, you know, the big arguments, you know, in episode three and him coming, you know, at the end of, of episode three and him coming to you know, getting on bended knee and her being like, no, um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was really incredible there. Uh, you know, when I got chills a lot of times, it was those moments and also Kevin Carroll, you know, mm. having him talk about sweetness, um, in her office, that whole scene, uh, talking about what happened. I mean, that, those are real tears, you know, you're, you're talking, um, actors who are breathing life into the material and embodying it and giving you real emotions um, that brought a lot of the other crew to tears, you know, just watching them. So those are probably, those are sort of the the biggest moments for me, really experiencing that. Um, You know, um, when when Lilia has to leave uh, Peaches, you know, like that, like, oof, you know, the the things that moved um, them both as actors and people, that's that's what moved me, and that's what I sort of remember most kind of over, you know, things like, oh, we've got a crane today, or we've got, you know, all these, I mean, all that stuff is cool, but mm-hmm. it's the real raw emotion that I remember the most. Does, this, <laughs> does the story at all take any creative liberties with Sarah Breed Loves History? Um, because there's still a lot about her biography that we don't know about, and one of the pieces to the film that I wasn't aware of was her daughter's sexuality, which the series touches mm. on. Um, so was was there some creative liberties taken there, or did you guys um, extract a lot of that from, um, you know, Alelia giving you information about what, what was going on with Madam CJ's history? I think, um, you know, you would have to talk to, uh, to Nicole um, Asher Jefferson specifically about what you know what she did i i've read about three quarters of the book i wasn't able to finish the book before i got to set and then once i was on set i was you know 1000 percent in so there wasn't a lot of reading that was happening um but my understanding is that nicole worked very closely with Alilia uh as well as ellen janine to craft those storylines um and i don't know if 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 it was ever named exactly the way we name it today. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that she was a pioneer, and I know that, um, you know, she was she was certainly uh, just as headstrong, just as much of a dreamer as, as her mother was, um, and, and a futurist, which is what I like to call both of them. So, um, but in terms of, like, her sexuality and, and how well that actually sticks to... Um, you know, actually sticks to her as a person uh, and how that's portrayed, I would probably take that up with, with Miss Bundles or with uh, Nicole um, just to be, you know, get really specific on the writing part because I wasn't a part of, of the actual writing. What do you hope viewers will take away from watching this series? Um, I really hope that people will have the reaction that, that you had, which makes me so happy, which as an entrepreneur you were inspired by it and you, you know, hopefully saw, you know, what you, what you can do. You can appreciate what you've done already and what you will do. I, I sort of want there to be some sort of, um, statistics, 
put in place the day before it airs and then after to see how many women start businesses um, and start <laughs> yeah. create products. That's really what I want to see. I'm, I'm thrilled for young women and young girls, um, black women and women of color, to, to take a look at it and to know that they can uh, do whatever it is that they want to do. And, you know, I also... Um, want people to understand that the hardships that we have in this lifetime um, respect that they're hard. But if you look at what Madam achieved, um, being, you know, being the, the daughter of slaves, um, married at 14, widowed at 19, uh, single parent, going door to door with products um, at a time when they were still lynching black people, black people would just disappear, uh, buying property in in chief property in uh, Pittsburgh, Denver, um, St. Louis, uh, Indianapolis. I mean, she took on borders. Um, one of the things I think that's that's accurate that you touched on is it's it's really a bigger story. I, I'm I'm excited for people to to seek out the book and to read the whole story because there's a lot more there. But you know, she actually had borders while she was doing hair, while she was selling products, while she was still doing laundry. Wow. Um, so, you know, she hustled. And so I'm excited for people to see that and to be inspired and to know that, um, you know what, if she overcame it, the things that she overcame, I can, I can overcome anything. I can create whatever it is that I want to create. Um, she didn't take no for an answer and she, she kept going. And then there's the philanthropy piece, which I think is huge in terms of what she provided for women, giving them businesses, giving them agency, um, encouraging them to live out their dreams, as well as, um, you know, having different causes that she supported. The anti-lynching bill, um, the money that she gave causes to, she was at the ready to march um, or donate at any, at any time, which is exactly what we have to do right now and what I think women need to see today. I agree wholeheartedly. Just to add to what you said, too, for me, I think what really struck a chord is the setbacks that she went through, one setback after the other after the other, even in her most successful arc of her life, she still dealt with those setbacks and she just kept going. And that's what I think a lot of women entrepreneurs need to see because um, sometimes we get through those setbacks and we want to give up and she didn't give up. And that's what was so inspiring for me watching that series, even in my own, like, you know, situations and failures and setbacks. I'm like, okay, I would have given up after the fire. Like if after the fire, <laughs> I would have given up, but to see her just like, no, I am Madam CJ Walker. Um, that, that was a moment that just really just struck a chord. So yeah. I'm so glad that that, yeah. that resonated with you. And, you know, I think, um, you know, look, you're talking about a time in St. Louis where half of the black women were washerwomen. They earned 4 to $12 a week. That right. was it. Um, you know, there was a time when Madam started to make 50 cents a day. And CJ, her husband, actually said, hey, this is enough. Yeah. We don't need more than 50 cents a day. Mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, yeah, we do. Because... I want this and this, and I want to give all these other women businesses, and you know, right. or Mary Kay, you know, and <clears throat> and then I want to have this mansion in the same neighborhood where Rockefeller is, and I'm gonna specifically specifically. 
physically put it so you could see it across from, from the water. So when people say who lives there, people will say Madam C.J. Walker. Yeah. To inspire people and to give people hope. So, yeah. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, amazing. Um, I totally agree with you. When you said that, I'm like, the first thing I thought of was the fire. Because that's like, well, you lose everything. Now, what are we doing? Yeah. And the fact that she continued to, to move forward. Yeah. And when everyone told her no, when her own family, yes. her own friends were like, what are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When Booker T, people were like, no, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. what we're doing. You yep. know, I want to have a convention. No, you're sick. You can't have a, co- no, this, I'm having a convention. Right, right. You know, I, that kind of strength and that power is with all, in all of us yes. at any time. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you've got to look at something like a fire and be like, well, what else have I overcome? I got this. Right. You know, right. This is, it's all possible. It's all achievable. So I'm, I'm so glad that that stuck with you. That, that makes me really happy. Yeah. Beautiful series. Well, thank you so much, Demain, for talking to me. Um, I really enjoyed this interview and um, all the best to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and making the time. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.